Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have one final DraftKings Millie Maker draft to do for NFL best ball season, and I couldn't think of a better person to bring on than Tom Strachan, the UK leader in, in best ball, the face of UK best ball, which in turn kind of makes you the face, one of the faces of DraftKings best ball. Tom Strachan joining me today from Fantasy Pros, from UK best ball, from you've seen him on Twitter, doing all sorts of awesome stuff. We're going to talk through some strategy um, kind of approach to these final couple weeks here in DraftKings best ball drafts. Then we're going to hop into a $5 Millie Maker draft on DraftKings. All right, guys, it's it's time. This is a bittersweet moment for me, Tom. So I, you know, uh, I've really enjoyed. Fire. I know people, you know, like to get their shots in or whatever at uh, the DraftKings app and and the drafting experience. I have really enjoyed drafting on DraftKings over the summer, and so I have one final draft left in in the Millie Maker. Um, so, but I'm excited to be uh, uh, doing it with you. You said you have what is you, you have sixty or, or or so left, but. Uh, um, how how is best ball season generally going, and are you excited for these last couple of weeks? Yeah, man. I mean, like this this is where what we've been warming up for. It's uh, <laughs> it's been a long old slog. I was looking back at some drafts from February that I did right around kind of the Super Bowl time. I was getting Michael Pittman in the sixth round and stuff like yeah. that. So it was looking at all those values and how they've changed. And now I feel like we're kind of at that point where I'm getting a little burnt out with it. It's like you know as you kind of get to that point where you're filling up all your drafts, it's like, well, I, I feel like I've been here before. I've done this mm-hmm. pattern, like particularly on the turns, it feels really easy to fall into builds that you've done several times. So I'm at the point now where it's like, right, okay, if I'm getting the one-on-one, how am I going to make this draft different from not only my other drafts, but 
everyone else who's drafted and fallen into yeah. the same patterns. I, I love the way you said that too, because it is definitely two pronged and it is easy to say, um, it is easy to kind of follow one of the prongs where, right? Like you said, I'm in my world. I like these players at these spots and I know how I can maybe be a little bit different for myself, right? We have the Lamar and Trey Lance jerseys in the background, right? I, I've been drafting plenty of those guys, certainly tons of Trey Lance. I can figure out how to create some different combinations with Trey Lance for my teams, but I also have to be cognizant of okay, there's, especially in this this contest we're about to enter with almost a million other other teams into it, right? If even then, if if my Trey Lance teams all have Brandon Ayuk or all have, you know, we're doing, we're doing the same things as, as every other Trey Lance drafter, even though it might be a little bit different for me, it's a really delicate balancing act. Is that something that you're kind of really hyper-focused on uh, these last couple of weeks? Yeah, and I felt particularly on DraftKings, it's getting harder to draft Trey Lance with Brandon Ayuk at the minute because, like, they've been squeezed up and, you know, from the point where we were getting them at around the ninth, 10th, 11th round, not even a few weeks ago, now to the point where you're looking at taking them around the seven, eight, six, seven turns kind of quite often. It's really difficult to go, all right, well, do I really need to push the builds that different on these just because even just by taking them, they're different to the ones I've already built? Or should I yeah. now, like early on in the draft season, I was picking up Jerron Jennings quite often in the 20th round. And now it's like, well, how many times should I sprinkle in Danny Gray as he's getting up camp hype and preseason hype? So, yeah, definitely. And then likewise, like Trey Lance and Lamar, they're my two highest owned quarterbacks. So every time I pick them up now, I'm pushing more towards zero RB builds around them because particularly in this contest with like, you know, nearly 900,000 contestants in like a 900 person final or whatever it is. I feel like the extreme strategies can definitely work and they're the ones I want to be in. Whereas earlier in the off season, there were times where you could build robust and you could pick Kamara up in the third. And (laughs) so like, even just looking back at my own builds now, I know that I'm quite different to how I was a few weeks ago, but you can't just allow yourself to fall into ADP and just be like, okay, that player, that player and carry on like that. Yeah, I lo- I love that. Um it is it it is a weird dynamic on DraftKings. You mentioned the the robust and zero running back and I, I totally agree in terms of the extreme strategies. Not even just like when as it pertains to the early running backs, but all in all, I think the extreme stuff is really is really helpful, but it's weird on DraftKings. How have you kind of handled where you can't for a lot of the summer. I, I don't want to say quite as much right now because, like you mentioned, with the Brandon Ayuk's of the world. But there was a long time where we could get, I mean, Brandon, like you said, Brandon Ayuk in the ninth, ninth, tenth round, and then there's the Chiefs receivers are super cheap, and there's all these guys. I, I always remember last year. I'm sure you remember, which this did not go well. But I, I like Will Fuller. I end with like sixty percent <laughs> Will Fuller on DraftKings because he's going in like every time I keep taking him and he keeps going in the next draft. He's going around later. You know, he was like a 14th round pick by the end of the summer on DraftKings and I couldn't stop taking him. And so there's that weird thing where it's like, I know it's full PPR with the yardage bonuses. And like you said, I'm trying to beat, you know, a million other people. But if the field is going to give me certain things, you know, at certain other positions, um, is that have you kind of felt that too? And how have you been like approaching that? Yeah, I mean, the Will Fuller stuff. I mean, I was smashing Will Fuller at the start of the offseason and like when DraftKings launched and he was in like the 13th, 14th round. And now he's kind of slipping, slipping, slipping into yep. the 20th. And I'm like, 
Ooh, it feels a little bit dangerous now to be taking him because I, I just assumed by the time the training camp rolled around, Will Fuller would be on a team, particularly one yeah. of these wide receiver needy teams like the Packers or my Ravens. But yeah, easing back off that. And then I think one thing on DraftKings that I really try to do is just to sweep up the value. When you see players fall, like earlier today, I got Kyle and Murray in the ninth round and I just had, you know, you do a quick Google search to make sure that nothing's got <laughs> on. But it's like the value that is presented on DraftKings can definitely be a lot more than other places because the field does seem to be a little bit hit and miss with how smart the draft rooms are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. And that that has been where I'm taking fairly strong stands, especially like in this Millie Maker tournament. But I feel more confident kind of in that, um, like what you were talking about at the top, that I'm going to be able to cycle through some stuff just because, like you said, the draft rooms are kind of all over the place. Sometimes nothing really crazy happens, and sometimes Tom Brady goes at the 101, and like you said, and, Ky- <laughs> and, Kyler, and Kyler falls. You know, it, it, it's so unpredictable, which is totally fine. But then in those scenarios, I have some guys on teams that I would ne- right that I would never because they do just fall. Um, you know, Ky- like you said, random. Like Kyler Murray is just never going to go in the ninth round, really, on any other site. And it's not like it happens a lot on DraftKings, but the yeah. time that it does, that's when that's that's what really helps your your 150 teams or whatever be stronger. And you know, if you're naturally diversifying in all those different things. Well, like you got Christian McCaffrey and what, like the eighth, ninth pick overall <laughs> in the first round the other day. And as soon as you get a player in that situation, it opens up so many more ideas of right. Do I need to go extreme here? Or if I just build sensibly from this point on, am I already going to have a really different team that's completely different to the majority of the 800,000 teams out there? Yeah, it, mine was just it, it, 100%. Mine was just as simple as that. It was like, well, I got Christian McCaffrey at like the the 109. <laughs> And then, and then I, and then you get, and then I was like, I, well, I'm going to take the basically the highest ADP player the next couple of picks because they'll never be paired up with with yeah. CMC. And I think it was like CD Lamb and like Mike Williams or something. And then even I got somebody in the fourth round that uh, was a, a decent value. It was like from that point on, like you said, I don't need to do anything crazy. Sometimes I am willing to do things a little bit more off the beaten path on DraftKings. But in that scenario, right, just being able to play the draft room on DraftKings is is not a greater skill, but something I think we probably need to hone in on more um, just because there's so much higher variance. Definitely. And in what I was saying, you know, those days where you could get Kamara in the third round and start with three strong running backs, I knew that like my team would still be different to the people who were going to fall by the wayside because I'm happy to build out like a two, four, 11, three team with 11 yep. wide receivers to make up for it. I think, you know, it, DraftKings gets a bad rap, but they've tried to put on a lot of different contests this year, and there's some interesting formats. And, you know, the UI is still massively lacking, but it's a lot better than it was last year and a huge jump from two years ago. Yep. Yeah, and I I love all the different types of contests. I I like that there is this big, you know, prize that we can all chase for a million dollars up up top for just a $5, right? You don't even have to spend a thousand dollars and you get a shot for an entire season to shoot for a million. That's pretty fun. And then there's all there's single entry tournaments and the, the, some of the, like what I really like is this diverse um, kind of portfolio of fi- number of people that make the finals and advancements and yeah. stuff. Some of the ones that, you know, are like, okay, you obviously have to get in your top two in every tournament to advance, but then there's like a six man second round and, uh, you know, and, and then the final is like 12 people or 20 people or something. I really enjoy that. Have you adjusted your strategy at all for those different tournaments? 
I think like I'm focusing less on the correlations and stuff like that. The week 17, which I know that like you've done yep. a ton of work on, and obviously when you taking on 889 people in a final, it's hugely different to taking on 12 people. I don't think <laughs> yeah. the stacks matter. I don't think week 17 correlation matters as much as just having a really good team. Um, the one that's kind of flummoxed me a little bit has been the single entry contest. Like, I just, I, I kind of get into those drafts and I'm like, I don't know what's important here because each draft is such a microcosm across the time that the contest's running. Mm -hmm. And obviously the finals are smaller, so I've been less worried about stacks. But one of my favorite things to do being here in the UK is to jump into early morning drafts on a Saturday or Sunday morning and pick up the auto drafters who've logged in drunk. And I think the one <laughs> which I did for the $15 one, there was six people auto picking in it, which then presents a whole different world of other challenges. So. Yes. Yeah. You have to map stuff out ahead. Cause you're like, look, I really like that. Th these guys are drawing dead with the auto drafts, but I can't like value hunt too much because they're going to, you know, I got to do the math in yeah. my head. Like how many auto drafters are in between me and my next pick. If I want this guy or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's a, interesting. That's an interesting, uh, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to switch roles right next year so that I can take it. I'm going to fly out to your, you came to the U S to draft on, on underdog. I'm going to fly yeah. out there for a weekend or something and just pile in a bunch of drafts. Like you said, to take advantage <laughs> of the, the idiot drunk Americans on the weekends. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this last weekend before uh, all the games kick off. I feel prime, but if I get up at about 6am my time, which was five hours a ahead of uh, Eastern, then uh, I should get a good few hours of really drunk drafters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so before we hop in, last last thing, what has been, you know, you mentioned Lamar and Trey Lance kind of as your two highest owned quarterbacks, but what has been kind of your biggest stands? Doesn't have to be necessarily players, could be, but just generally, like if you had to pinpoint one or two things that you've really been focused in on in drafts, what has it been so far? Yeah, so I mean, in this $5 milli, it's been really hammering like either zero RB or hero RB. I feel like so many people are going to approach these drafts as a casual user with balanced builds. And yep. so for me, I've ended up with a ton of guys like Naeem Hines, Rashad White, Khalil Herbert, all the, and Kenny Gainwell. Like it's that's the area where I really want to pile into the running backs. And I haven't worried like, Generally, a lot of my drafts either fall into going four or five running backs total if I'm taking like a couple early on. But I don't mind if I'm going with a hero RB or zero RB falling into a balanced kind of three seven seven three because I believe that the kind of the way that I'm constructed and taking my running backs will still leave me quite not necessarily unique but different to a large majority of the field. Yeah, I like I like that and. There is something to be said for a. I, I think there's just a lot more you can do on DraftKings, like you mentioned, the three seven seven three. I think on other sites with you know not not having twenty rounds, with not having some of the kind of chaos of the draft rooms, you can really back yourself into a corner, getting too thin. At, at, at even you know seven seven wide receivers can be too too thin at times even you know i do have seven wide receiver teams on say underdog but it's just it's tougher a lot of the times to have a really strong wide receiver room that you can get by with seven and then if you were to take three quarterbacks or three tight ends or something also on that team now maybe you're hurting at running back right and so it's just a difficult thing to do that i think we can take advantage of on on DraftKings. This is really yeah. funny. Rob is Rob's already giving you shit for for uh, Trey for Trey Lance. 
Who, who doesn't love a backup QB? <laughs> I know, I know, right? That is that is perfect. Um, so shall we uh, go? Ahead? We've been we've been teasing the people too long. Let's uh, go ahead and hop in to a draft. Hit enter, and then I'll share my screen. All right, we are in. Oh look! Oh no! If people are watching, they're they're going to be filling it up with us. So this is not going to be my best team. If it's all uh, people that are tuned in that are going to end up filling this, and there's nine of them um, or more, it could be the whole draft room. We're not going to get one of the sh- one of the uh, one of the super soft uh, drafting rooms here. That's funny. Already bought the Lance jersey in anticipation of winning the tourney. Love that. Big time. Double down after last year. That's really yes. Good. I mean, what, what might as well, right? It can't go worse is what I keep telling myself. That's what people keep saying. There's funny. There's, there's, uh, you know, Najee, Najee talks in the, Ooh, 105. Okay. We got the 105. That's good. But that people keep saying that with like the Steelers, right? They're like, I like Najee. I like Deontay, et cetera. Cause it can't be worse than big Ben. I'm like, you know, what can't be worse is drafting a quarterback in the seventh round. And he never play. He doesn't play the entire year. <laughs> I think one of my best teams last year was in – I didn't hit in any of the really big contests, but it was in the $3 DraftKings 20 max. And I made the top 100 of that, like 116,000 or whatever. And uh, yeah, I had a four-running back build, and one of the guys was – I've forgotten the name, the guy who was on the – I think he was on the Falcons at one point last year and was being hyped up, and he didn't even – I think he was on practice squad the whole year. So, yeah, I, I don't That's... care about losing the odd player. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, what have been, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start here in the, in the, the, uh, at, at the one Oh five, which is in my opinion, my favorite, my favorite spot to pick. What have been your kind of preferences there when you get, get into this top five, are you just kind of playing whichever one of those top five guys are there or, or do you have any kind of other hotter takes on the, the, the top of drafts? Yeah, I, I think kind of the top five just, it plays itself quite nicely. I'm quite happy taking most of them. I mean, we've got a spicy start with Jamar Chaser, but I feel like it's after the top five where I kind of end up falling into different players and having more takes on them. But yeah, like Justin Jefferson, I've been mixing him up, taking him a slightly ahead of Cooper Cup the last couple of weeks. I've been CMC at the 101 for quite a bit of the off season. Mm-hmm. But I also, if I get a run of number one picks, which seems to happen on DraftKings... I don't mind taking Jonathan Taylor just because it's so much less frequent that you get him. Yep. That's so I am going to run down um, for you and for the people as we're about to. So, Oh, well, wow. Austin Eckler goes fourth overall. So here's your, your cup or Jefferson uh, uh, decision. Which one do you prefer? Cause I don't have a preference, honestly. I'd go Jefferson. Okay. Let's do it. So you can see I have 14% cup and 16% Jefferson. So, I'm, you know, basically just kind of been balancing it out. The nice thing is I was higher on Jefferson before. Um, I, I, I think that it's really kind of just, just a coin flip, but like you, I kind of wanted to mix up the Jefferson stuff a little bit and cup was just kind of always going in the top three. And now that is not the case with some of the Stafford, um, elbow concerns and just kind of some general Jefferson hype. And so it's, it's been one of those things where, again, like we talked about drafting throughout the whole summer is I'm getting cup at five, six, seven sometimes. And that just never happened before. So it's just naturally balanced out kind of my exposure to those two players, which I like, it's kind of what I want. Definitely. I think like a friend of mine, uh, he's at fantasy sports lace guy called James. He, he did a lot of work with ADP and he was looking through all the hundred DK Millie drafts he'd done and he found that there was a lot less Justin Jefferson 
Kirk Cousins stacks that were Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford because of the way the ADPs aligned. That when they had aligned, that there was a bit more reach on them. So I've been trying to hammer that a little bit in the last few weeks to try and make sure that I've got some. Because when I went back and looked at mine, I had a lot of Adam Thielen stacked with Kirk Cousins, but not that much Justin Jefferson. Interesting. That's that's very interesting. So speaking of that, I was going to run down really quick so the people can see. I have our, um, you see the Spike Week draft helper is uh, ready and functional. And that's just kind of what you see here. So I have it customized for a couple of different specific options for me. I kind of like to, to keep it simple. But obviously you see the week, seven, week 16 and week 17 games for anyone watching. So like Najee plays the Raiders and then the Ravens in week 16 and week 17. And then the I have three percentages that I, that I show for myself. Um, and again, you can totally customize those. Everybody has different preferences, but mine is just my exposure to that player. So you see, I have 1%, <laughs> 1% Joe. Wow. Um, that's quite a stand. 1% Joe, Joe Mixon. Um, and then like 23%, um, Saquon Barkley. And the, but then the second number is my percentage with our first quarterback. So whoever, obviously it shows 0% right now, cause we don't have a quarterback yet, but once yeah. we pick up a quarterback, we'll be able to kind of see some correlations there. And then the third one is my exposure with our first overall pick. So these will be, I have 21% Justin Jefferson and, uh, 21% <laughs> of my Justin Jefferson teams are, are with, uh, who was that Saquon. So, um, just kind of seeing some of the, the correlations. Um, within my exposure and such as well. And then obviously if there's a correlation, you'll see it highlighted right um, in, in green. Uh, we don't have any other. Uh, okay, I guess it takes a while to find another Viking, but once we run into another yeah. Viking, you'll see them as well. So just for people watching that maybe were like, what the hell are those numbers and the colors and silly what's stuff? Your, what's your correlation with Aaron Jones? Because obviously that's the kind of week 17 game, isn't it? Minnesota, Green Bay. And See, that's an interesting one. I've been taking a little a bit more Aaron one. Jones, and I'm 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 interested in taking him here. But I felt like that was one that people would take when it was available to them, and I never have forced it. And I also haven't taken much Aaron Jones because I take so much of the wide receivers and tight ends yeah, and all yeah. of that right here. Uh, but I do I do I do like it, and I'm open to it. I feel like a lot more people have Dalvin and Aaron Jones and Justin Jefferson and Aaron Jones, given how yeah. ADP's been lately. Yeah. Would you side with him over, say, a CD here in that in that particular example, or would you take CD? You know, it's not a lot of value, but a little a little bit of value. I'd probably be scooping the value on CD Lamb if he was there. But now, yep. yeah, it's kind of that toss up between Aaron Jones, and then I feel like there's a little bit of you either go with Mark Andrews, or it's a bit of a tear break. See, I, I this is this is actually a perfect example. I would take Aaron Jones here. Um, and you can see that I've done 149 drafts and this is a situation where I would absolutely be happy taking the Justin Jefferson, Aaron Jones combination. And it just has never even fell to me this way. Like maybe Aaron Jones might've been there for me in that instance, but CD fell or right. Or yeah. I like, Sa I actually like Saquon a lot more. I'll take Saquon um, at, at that spot. And so it's kind of funny that in the last, the, my very last draft of 150, that this scenario that I'm totally not opposed to is kind of the first time it's played out for me and i think that's the way definitely with week 17 correlations to really play him is if something like that falls to you particularly where it's an unusual one i really feel like there won't be that many of that duo out there mm -hmm. yeah i love it maybe start of the off season when aaron jones was i mean he was third round with some of the ffbc drafts i've got yeah 
and uh, the uh, GA saw that I am I am fading Mark Andrews, which uh, I don't want to say. I didn't want to bring it up into the to the to the to, to the Ravens fan, but this is an Isaiah Likely show, okay? Yes. So we're taking we're, we, we we may or may not be talking about Isaiah Likely later later in this. So so that's uh, that's where we that's that, that's where that's where I stand on the the Ravens tight ends. Fun police will be after you. Though. Yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. You're not allowed to be excited about Isaiah likely having a hundred yard eight for a hundred and a touchdown in a, in one half. Don't yeah, don't he, get excited. He played like fifteen snaps as well. <laughs> is it his uh, uh his what was it yard his yards per target or yards per route run or whatever was like uh triple of what Cooper Cup did last year. Now we're, <laughs> we're talking, it's two preseason games, but the guy has twelve catches for uh, like hundred and fifty yards and a touchdown in t- on like on like 20 routes <laughs> <laughs> all right here here's where i re- where it really starts to get tricky what are you often doing kind of here in this range i'm slightly above t higgins Ben Pittman, but i've also been trying to take more kyle pitts lately because i think you, i don't have enough i was sitting at about five percent so what about you where do you lean so Kyle Pitts is my guy here. I'm trying to take a pretty darn big stand on Kyle Pitts. So let's let's go that route. I do like um also curious in your your take on this. I, I really like what an elite tight end like a Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, et cetera, what it can give you on DraftKings. Um it's nice on the on on say a site with 18 rounds, of course, but on DraftKings, when you get those extra two picks and you're freed up to only take two tight ends, it's just like this freeing experience where you can really get you were talking about kind of being extreme. I feel like the elite tight end is what can lead to like really being comfortable and extreme. You want to take seven running backs, even if you took a zero RB start, take don't like take an elite tight end and it just sets you up for for those kinds of things. What do you think about that? Massively, and I think really the elite tight ends are even more important on DraftKings and other platforms. I mean, obviously FFBC is tight and premium underdogs half PPR, but here the hundred point bo- the hundred yard bonus, like the difference between elite tight ends and average tight ends is a gulf anyway. But then you throw in an extra three points on top of it for going over a hundred yards, and it's massive. The weeks that you can get out of them. I mean, we saw it with Mark Andrews last year down the stretch. It's just complete game changer yeah it, it's really true when you compare full point ppr so the the elite guys are just going to be able to have the 10 12 target weeks which it's an extra half point every time they every time they catch the ball and like you said they can access a hundred yard ceiling so they already had a higher ceiling but the you know and i like hunter henry or whatever those types of guys the hunter henry's need to score like three touchdowns to to even come sniff that guy you know whereas in on underdog he can like hang in there with a, a fifty yards and a touchdown, but on on DraftKings, he just there's just nothing he can do. Definitely, definitely agree. All right, we're getting we're about to be back on the clock, and we've start we are on the clock. Jalen Waddle goes um, another interesting. I'll say I'll call it interesting range. What do you like here? Uh, I've been leaning into Juju Smith Schuster lately. He's one of those where like I quite like Juju. I mean, it's hard not to like the Chiefs. And there's so many smart people who are on Juju that occasionally you have to be like a little humble and go, right, what am I missing? And when all these smart people start talking about him, dive back in. When Matt Harmon loves somebody, it's always worth taking another look at them. Perfectly said. That's how I feel. And and Juju's maybe one of the best examples of that, where we came into the offseason. And I mean, it's easy to see both the, the pro and con case for Juju. But when he was going, you know, going in the fourth round or whatever, and he hasn't been good in quite a while. And I like Juju, like just generally speaking from a fan perspective. But 
you're like, well, there's three other guys on this offense and we really don't know who is going to be kind of the, the leader. Right. But we're excited about the chiefs. I was kind of lazily just being like, well, I'm just going to take MVS and sky and, and whatever. And then, like you said, it's like, well, if I really, really, really like the chiefs and I really like the chiefs and other people like you are smart people are like, I think we should buy Juju. There's no benefit in being super stubborn, you know, being super stubborn on that. You don't have to draft, 30% 30% of him, but I think I, I think it showed I have eight to eight or 9% juju. It's like, I can just take my 10% and move and move on, you know? Exactly. I mean, not every stand we need to take needs to be like in the 20, 30%. It's just saying, all right, I didn't necessarily feel that way, but I want to be above market in case all these smart people are right. And then I look like the idiot. And <laughs> <laughs> Particularly with juju, it's easier because the range is in with Jerry Judy and that and Terry McLaurin. They're not wide receivers. I'm massively enamored with either. Yeah. All right, so oh, there goes there goes Lamar. So we weren't gonna we weren't gonna get any uh, Lamar with our Isaiah Likely stack. Um, but um, Hollywood is probably my preference here. But also been trying to get some more Godwin. What have you been doing here? I'm big on Godwin. I've got some like 19% Godwin, but I was drafting him when he was back in like the eighth round a lot. So, yeah. but I know you're a big Marquise Brown, and I do like him after years of defending him whilst he was yeah. in the Ravens. It's kind of like, if anything, I feel like things have flipped just slightly and maybe he's a little bit being hyped up a little bit more than I think is necessary because, you know, you look at his role in the Ravens defense, he wasn't relied on constantly. Mark Andrews taking a lot of weight off him. And I worry that the early season schedule when they play teams like the Rams and the Chiefs might be not quite the massive weeks people hope for, but I still mm-hmm. think in this range where he's like wide receiver 22, 24 or so, he's definitely going to pay off on that ADP. Definitely agree with with both everything you said about Hollywood and what uh, Fantasy Unleashed says here. Uh, The other big thing with Hollywood is I, like an idiot, was drafting him, you know, in the fourth round or whatever. And then he goes and drives, you know, 170 miles an hour on the on the highway and 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 got hurt. And it was like, you know, instant plummet from the three, four turn now to the five to like the five, six turn. And uh, and so I've been kind of just. You know, this is a guy. This is a guy I like. I'm I'm very much in on the Kyler thing. Is another is like a perfect example where I'm like, I'm in on this offense. Kyler falls. I don't really understand Kyler's ADP on on DraftKings, yeah. and so, but you know, it's just been one of these things where Hollywood's falling and Kyler's falling, and I I I didn't intend on having you know thirty to forty percent of these guys, but they, the 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 drafts just keep giving them to me. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a big fader of Cliff Kingsbury in general, but I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Kyler. Yeah. And like earlier this offseason, the hate went too far. I mean, yeah, he had a bad playoff game, but he's still elite in fantasy. And, you know, if I can take Kyler as QB, what, six, seven sometimes? It's like I take him over Joe Burrow all day. Yep. Yeah, I... I, I... I just don't get it. Like, so I mean, we're we're sitting at an ADP at almost seventy now, and he is a and look. You're talking. You have a Trey Lance jersey in, in your in your background, and probably no one has talked about Trey Lance over the last two years more than more than I have. No one is more of a fan than probably the the two of us. But it is crazy that he and like you said, he's going towards the Burrow range and towards the Russell Wilson. And like I like all those guys. Um, I obviously love Lance, but it's just crazy to me that his profile is even available at that point in the draft now. 
definitely. And I think, you know, the one thing that's always nice is they have dome games as well down the stretch. So you're not worried about like this Buffalo Cincinnati game where it could be horrible weather. Like, yep. you know, but the safety of the dome should at least keep plays up at a decent rate in those games. And and I've been screaming this from the mountaintops. I know people don't ever want to talk about defense and such. Here, well, oh, there goes Bateman. Oh no, Bateman is a, a best best available here. Are you drafting uh, uh, oh, Bateman? Yeah. <laughs> I'm drafting a lot of Bateman. Yeah, I think I'm Good. sort of like sitting around 17, 18 percent. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just kind of falls. It's like, well, you know, you see all these people who are saying, well, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards aren't going to be ready. Can you rely on Tyler Beatty and Mike Williams? Well, uh, Mike uh, Davis. Mike Davis. Well, yep. if, you, if that's your argument, then you should be drafting Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews constantly because we've yep. seen something like last year. And I just think we don't really know quite what the Ravens want to be ever since Lamar got there. There's been differences every year. And this is the first year that things seem to be shaping up where things are healthy and they've got Rashad Bateman there. So, yeah, I, I like him to make a big leap this year. And uh, I, I can't remember what sort of positional value he's at at the minute, but I've been smashing it. I mean, again, he's another guy going a round and a half higher on some on some other sites. And I know kind of um, you, you hit on, you know, we're hoping maybe they are a little bit pass heavier. But if if they're efficient and they're at all even anywhere close to last year, right, it's kind of the why I'm partially out on Mark Andrews is he's priced kind of like they're going to be still similar, a little bit more pass heavy, but then Bateman is going in the sixth round. And it's like, how does that make sense? If, 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 if we think that they're going to be kind of, it's funny that Burrow is here now. All right. Now we're getting into this range that I kind of hate. Um, I have a guy, maybe uh, Devonta Smith is probably the guy I take here. Most of the time. Devonta Smith's my third highest owned wide receiver i think you know going back to the pod you did last week where you were talking about contingent value he's you know if aj brown gets nicked up which we've seen time and time again every year would be an absolute <laughs> smash for a stretch of plays he could also just i mean we've like forgotten because there's this stigma it, it, it's also funny on the eagles another perfect example that people are worried about the pass volume and they're worried about jalen hurts i guess just generally speaking but Devonta Smith, if we ignore that, which we're we're ignoring it for some other teams, and have and I'm not saying right, wrong, or indifferent, but we're ignoring you know Mark Andrews' pass volume concerns, and AJ Brown goes up in you know the early third round or whatever. Devonta Smith is a wide receiver that won the Heisman, and was uncoverable. Was the best wide receiver on the Alabama team that had Jerry Judy and had Jalen Waddle and had you know Henry Ruggs, who you know gone gone from our lives forever, but. Like this dude could just be an absolute superstar and just needed that first year to kind of, you know, get his feet wet. And we're treating him again. Like, why is he a seven? I don't really know why he's a seventh round pick. You know, like, why does, yeah. why do some of these other guys go in the fifth round and he goes in the seventh? I think anyone who had BMI concerns or any of that bullshit about it by now truly <laughs> has to be over it by now. Like, he showed that he's a real elite athlete. And whilst I kind of I look at Jalen Hurts and it's like, I don't think. He's a great passer. I don't think that he's as good a runner as Lamar, and I don't think he's as fast as Kyler. Yeah. This offense is going to be a lot better. They've got a great O-line. Like These are the kind of people that I want to buy in on. Yeah, I love the O-line point too because they are um... – like maybe the best offensive line in the league. And now I have all these weapons and you can have concerns about hurts. You can have concerns about, you know, pass volume and stuff, but no one has concerns that like the offense has a 
ceiling absolutely through the roof. They're they're not lacking for anything. They have decent running backs. They have a, at least a relatively young and exciting quarterback, however you want to phrase that, and three superstar pass game weapons. And so I just want to buy that, you know? You go back to the 2019 Ravens when Lamar was at his best. It was when Marshall Yonder was there and they had like multiple all pros that year. And yep. yeah, the Eagles could easily do that this year. All right. Now we're getting into the the range where the guys have gotten steamed up a little bit. Damian Pierce, um, Chase Edmonds, uh, the opposite, Antonio Gibson. Any uh, strong preferences? I mean, Antonio Gibson's definitely getting into the range where he becomes draftable again. I think yeah. like, I've got quite a lot of Chase Edmonds who's now been steamed up a bit. Um, so, yeah, for me, it'd probably be one of those two. I'd have a little less faith in Damian Pierce. Yeah, same. Like, let's, let's, do, let's do Edmonds. Um, I don't have a, a ton of him, but like you said, he's getting into a range now here. We got him in the 90s where, yeah, it's Damian, Damian Pierce is a Texans running back, a rookie that like I like fine, but I feel like we're kind of doing uh, a little going a little overboard with that. And then some running backs that it's a little kind of sketchy. You know, one question I did want to get into before we kind of come back on the clock is we're looking pretty good, really. Right. Five strong wide receivers. Good at running back. Have Kyle Pitts. Quarterback can get tricky on DraftKings. How are you kind of thinking through just a general quarterback strategy? Generally, I want two before I get to Trevor Lawrence. I feel like after Trevor Lawrence is a real cliff edge. I like to have elite, and I'd say the vast majority of my build on here have the elite rusher, where that's Trey yep. Lance or you know TBC on wherever he's elite or you know Lamar, Kyler. But if I'm in this range around here, I'll quite often just double tap quarterback quite quickly because mm -hmm. it feels like after Kirk Cousins, there's a tear break. And then once you get past Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, you're really into the, we need at least three quarterbacks to. I was going to say, do you want to take Cousins to stack with uh, with with Jefferson here? Because there, there's not a lot I love. Yeah, and I know yeah. he's not, I know he's not the highest I mean, that's... quarterback barely a reach though is it we're talking 10 spots like yeah think, given that we've not been reaching much or anything like that that's perfectly fine in this spot and even though there's matt stafford Derek carr and rogers ahead at this i don't really care when it comes to stacks like this with a small reach of around the cell and it's different i think if we're taking him over kind of what I would call the elite tier, right? Like you mentioned, Trey Lance and the runners and the super elite guys. I'm not going to take one of these guys. But to, what really is the difference between Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, and Derek Carr? They're all pocket passers, right? In, in good offenses. But at that point, then I just want to rely on the correlation. It's like if we had drafted, I don't know, Alan Lazard or something and not Justin Jefferson, okay, let's take Rodgers. Or if we had Cooper Cup, I mean, the perfect example is if we had Cooper Cup instead of Justin Jefferson from the 105, you take Stafford. You don't take Kirk Cousins at that point. But I think they're all close enough that it's also possible one of them falls back to us and we, if we do want to, you know, double tap. Yeah, definitely. And I think particularly with Kirk Cousins getting, like, the coaching upgrades around him, I mean, I really don't feel like he's going to get that many – that much less yardage than any of that tier of Rogers, Stafford and Carr. And, you know, if we do see lots of multiple wide receiver sets that are going to get more players like KJ Osborne on Earth Smith onto the field consistently, then we'll get those 300 yard bonuses much more often. Yeah, totally agree. One question, Stafford, I don't, well, I guess we have one auto drafter, so he might not fall to it. But if, if, if he were, do you take any of like that falling quarterback like that, that, you know, we don't have any stacking options with and look to do like a Higby or something like that. 
Yeah, I think sometimes, occasionally, I think with Stafford, it's one way. It's like, okay, well, you can still pick up. I mean, just went before us, but yeah, you could have <laughs> gone Van Jefferson, Higby, maybe take a speculative punt on Odell Beckham being back with the team later on in the season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, occasionally, uh, here I'd probably move away from that though, and we've got some nice running backs. I'd probably be leaning towards either Kenneth Walker for that late season charge if okay. he comes from the hernia or James Cook. Let's do let's do Cook and see. We got Cook. Okay. Um, uh, I was uh, once you said James Cook, I was like, okay, I don't have quite as much pressure to make sure I get this in since he's at the top. Since he's at the top of the queue. But um, this is an interesting running back range where the, you mentioned it at the top. I kind of live in this tenth through fourteenth round running back range. Like, like you said, like almost no matter what start I have, you start zero running back. It's like I'm just sm- I'm just hammering all these guys. Like you said, Naheem Hines, Cook. Um, Walker, Penny, and we took Edmonds. I'm just drafting all of these guys kind of in this this range. Gainwell, Rashad White. Like, go look at my portfolio. It's just like my top highest owned running backs is like all of all of those guys because I just li- I love this range and we're set up so well with our wide receivers. It just you know you can round out a four running back build in this range. You can you know you can hammer this range in zero RBs. There's just so many versatile backs. Uh, um so as we're coming up here i do like the the heinz i do like the heinz play if he makes it back santorella uh already has five running backs so please don't do it okay there we go i think heinz would be my favorite guy but i'm also open um if no, you know, no, i mean heinz is my most owned running back i think he's one of those players that he gives you the benefit of he's a hedge against jonathan taylor in some ways I feel like it's an opinion which I might get cancelled for, but Jonathan Taylor isn't a great red zone running back. Like last year, he had a huge amount of touches in the red zone compared to how many touchdowns he actually got. And Hines seems to be a player that they're really loving in camp this year and could see even more opportunities on the field. Hines, Hines is particularly on DraftKings, definitely one of my favorite um, backs. And he's gotten a little bit more pricier as the year has gone on, but it's rightfully so. And I don't think he's overpriced. I think lat- people will look at they do this too much particularly with the pass catching backs like him he had a really good year two years ago and then last year he kind of fell behind jt jt got a little bit more work had an awkward fit with carson wentz right went from philip rivers to carson wentz now we're kind of back to a much more philip rivers-esque quarterback in in matt ryan and i think the team has let us know that a they want to get him involved more period they don't have a ton of playmakers and he's one of them so they want to use him a little bit more they don't want to overextend jonathan taylor and i think the sneaky thing that they've let us know is he might have some crazy contingent upside. I think people treat him yeah. a little bit more like James White. One, I think he would be the feature back if Jonathan Taylor went down. He wouldn't necessarily be Alexander Madison, but I think that they might just kind of shift their offense and he would be, you know, the quote unquote feature back. More like a like an Aaron Jones when Aaron Jones is a feature back or Austin Eckler type feature back. Well, you know, he's not playing every snap, but he's still kind of the feature of the backfield. That's it. I mean, and you look at their running back room and it's players like Tyson Williams at the minute. So I think Naeem Hines' pass protection would keep him on the field enough. That, yeah, definitely not on every down, but you could be paired with a veteran free agent and you'd see a big, big amount of usage from him. Yeah. So we're also super flexible here with one quarterback of, of Cousins and then four running backs, Aaron Jones, Chase Edmonds, James Cook, and Naeem Hines, which, man, you want to talk about pass catching backs. That is that is a list of pass catching backs on uh, a PPR site, and then we have five really strong wide receivers. So I, again, I, I, we're in a spot where I'm really, really open to whatever we want to do. 
I think there's plenty of options. I mean, obviously, Irv Smith's coming up in ADP, so we could round out our tight end room. Or I'm not sure who's their quarterback, but also you've got Josh Palmer, someone I took, he's just gone off the board, but I've taken an awful lot of when he was further down. Also, KJ Osborne, um, if we wanted to go to a wide receiver for the stack, I really did want Josh Palmer, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> but we'll, we can settle. Do you have a preference on Osborne, Irv? Um, I'd probably think, go Osborne in this build yeah. because we've oh. got we've got Pitts, which is kind of much more central to what the team needs. Whereas, like maybe if we'd only had one tight end in that TJ Hawkinson range, then I would have gone Irv to bump the stack up in value. But yep. realistically, if Irv's getting in and playing a lot in this team, then something's gone wrong with Pitts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, would this be a team that were you're, you're looking to round out with two? two more quarterbacks um if you, if you only have cousins so far i think if you can if you can get one more quarterback like i think matt ryan's the tear break here like okay. if you get matt ryan paired with uh naeem hines it's an interesting stack and then you can look at alec pierce and some of the other options later on but after that when you start getting into the mac jones and stuff it's not bad to dislike those players but i just feel the need that i'm gonna need possibly a third quarterback behind them I think the Matt Ryan when paired with Naheem Hines is super interesting because I don't if all goes according to plan for Matt Ryan and and the Colts he's probably not a you know a a big time fantasy quarterback um so I'm pretty interested in going him him here it's about at ADP you know we're we're, in, we're not in the typical DraftKings room uh, of course uh, cuz all these <laughs> sickos in the chat joined us for our draft but I'm down for Matt Ryan if you're if you're uh, open to that I think that's good, and then I think I mean the bye weeks don't clash today, so I think that should be uh, week seven, seven and week 14. fourteen. Yeah, it's fine. So, so yeah, I think that's that's QB room sorted. You know, maybe looking for one more tight end, or if you punt that, taking two if necessary, really at the end. But I like the way this is shaping up as a team. I, I and I really really like um, this was also this is something I kind of talked a little bit about last year that failed miserably with the Titans and Darrington Evans and it was something that um, Jake Jacob Sanderson came on a couple of weeks ago with me and talked a little bit about this with say like a Tony Pollard or I think it would work maybe with Rashad White guy you mentioned before where you take the back who's it's a contingent play he, he's a you know he has value Naheem Hines like kind of we already we don't need to talk about that anymore but if something happens to JT. Matt Ryan should theoretically get a boost too because they're not just going to give the next guy like Philip Lindsay and Tyson Williams are not getting 25 carries like it's just not going to happen. And so it's kind of simultaneously boosting Matt Ryan and probably someone else we draft later, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, one of the tight ends, um, Ashton Doolin. You can really get crazy, you know, later with the Colts guys because they would all get huge value boosts from uh, from a Jonathan Taylor going down. And particularly with the Colts, they're a good enough team with good enough pieces around that you can see it happening. You know, if that happens with certain teams where the running back one goes down, I mean, things can just completely fall to pieces. But with the Colts, I'd still be confident. Yeah. So here, definitely kind of running back or wide receiver don't have a super strong preference. Um, I think... You know, if we do hit running back again, that that might be kind of it for us, which, you know, I think Aaron, and Aaron Jones, Chase Edmonds, Hines, et cetera, would be a pretty strong five running back team that would give us if we did want to hit, you know, um, an extra quarterback would be would be interesting, too. Yeah, I think at tight end, like I like both Gerald Everett and David Njoku. I think that like Njoku's ADP, I mean, he was going at like 112 and he's dropped and. 
I don't feel like Jacoby Brissett's really that bad for his value. Uh, I no. would say Gerald Everett as well because I just want pieces of that charge's passing attack. But yeah, I I really like the Njoku call. What do you think about him with a Pitts? Where it, it's not that we don't care about you know we we want him to have a good season, but theoretically we're kind of banking on Pitts for most weeks anyway. And then you you know. Deshaun Watson comes back for the most crucial time of, of the season with Njoku. And now we have a potential monster on our hands. Like we should be dominating tight end within, within Njoku and Pitts uh, during the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And I think even Njoku's value over the 11 game ban, like we've seen Jacoby Brissett just pepper people near to the line of scrimmage and Njoku could go through games where he picks up six, seven catches or so simply because he's going to be a reliable pair of hands and outside of him, it's David Bell, who's a rookie, and you know you can never count too much rookies at that level. But also, Amari Cooper's splits are absolutely woeful in cold weather games and like <laughs> outside. So I really think David Njoku could be one of the most reliable pass catchers in that team. I, I, would you be surprised if he's? You know, I'm not saying he's going to catch the most balls. Like I would, you would th- project a wide receiver for that. But if he's the best fantasy asset in the passing game, would you be surprised at all? Not at all. No. All right, here we, so so here's we, we got we got uh, uh, a green lighting up the screen here that I'm pretty excited for if it uh, if it works out. When, I think definitely that's uh, got to be the pick, and I think now because we're kind of well set at um, quarterback, we're kind of well set at tight end, but now we can just keep smashing wide receivers unless a running back falls into place. I, I I love Alec Pierce. I I wish I could retroactively, honestly, go back and get even more Alec Pierce. As we've saw, we've seen the evolution of all these these guys, these rookies and stuff get steamed up. The George Pickens and I mean, even Isaiah Pacheco is going really high now, right? It's Romeo Rome, Romeo Dobbs. These guys getting steamed like crazy, and then we have this guy that won at the beginning of the second round on a team that I mean, we all like Michael Pittman, but there's not exactly target competition in. in Indy. He's been playing with the one since day one of training camp, and he's got a pretty fun like profile for a uh, for best ball, right? He's kind of not a total target hog, but he's a down the like he's a really good down the field deep ball fade touchdown scorer. And I'm just like, why is this guy continuing to go in the 170s while everybody else is getting steamed up to the you know pick 100 or whatever? Exactly, and it feels like we got a little bit of a dip when there were positive reports about Paris Campbell being ahead of mm. him at one point, but True. then now it seems to have switched. And, I mean, really, we're really counting on Paris Campbell to stay healthy. I, I don't like to get into the habit of trying to predict injuries, but it's like, you know, after a certain amount <laughs> of seasons, it feels like, you know, if the team truly believed in Paris Campbell, would they necessarily be trying to draft young wide receivers? Yeah, maybe, but it's uh, I'm, I'm not in on Paris Campbell. <laughs> I haven't drafted much Paris Campbell either, and maybe this will be the the time where it finally you know hits me because I have drafted him for a few years. Not like super crazy, but um, I just I, I also think we're still living off a lot of hype from multiple years ago that I, I'm not even sure that it's warranted in terms of his like true raw upside. Right, Pittman is there, a second round rookie is there on a run first team. They have JT and they have Hines. They have some tight ends that I kind of like. I, you know, Mo Ali Cox is pretty good. I'm a Kylan Granson fan as well. I just, I don't see, I, I could, again, be totally wrong. I don't see Paris Campbell as this, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm really excited. Like, it's a smash. I got a huge edge on my competition just because I have Paris Campbell. No, and no, I totally get that. I think it's very hard to kind of imagine what his ceiling is. And, 
yeah, but I think I do think the Colts in that division are going to be a fun team this year, and definitely getting a, few, a nice little stack like this that we've got so far works very nicely. Who are you kind of looking at then here in later rounds? We obviously need at least another running back, probably. Um, but you know, we're we're really freed up. Don't really need a tight end. But this is in this is kind of the range where it's like pick your favorite players. And so who who do you who do you generally look for here? Yeah, I mean, I found myself picking up an awful lot of the Jacksonville and Houston players simply because it's like that stack. I think you were talking about this last week on a pod. Like, there's so much potential for that to be really overlooked and score a lot of points because it's just two inadequate teams when it comes to defense, really. <laughs> Maybe yep. the Jaguars' defense is better than expected. But I've been taking flyers on Jameson Crowder lately with his ADP okay. having dipped because even if Isaiah McKenzie is, you know, having a breakout year that wasn't particularly predicted, Jameson Crowder is going to get on the field. They're going to use him. He's a very reliable player. And I think like in this range, he's a lot more reliable than some. Yeah. And I mean, just the sheer fact of being on the bills is, is probably better than, you know, like we just talked about with Paris Campbell, like I guess Paris Campbell has a better shot at getting more snaps to start the year, but I don't know that we can say Paris Campbell is better than Jamison Crowder. And I'm not, I've been a McKenzie guy. I'm not really a Jamison Crowder guy, but we have reached this point now where we're talking about 17th, 18th round for Jamison Crowder on a full PPR site. Like, I mean, McKenzie could just get hurt and, and Crowder, you know, or they could split snaps or, you know, there's tons of different paths for that kind of thing to work out. Yeah. And similarly, I was all in on McKenzie when I could get him in the 18th, 19th, 20th <laughs> round. There's that nice Bills correlation with Bengals stacks. But now it's like, well, taking the cheaper option when it's a good player like Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder's not dust yet. I feel like he should be able to give us something through the season. Yeah. So this is also where things get a little, a little <laughs> hairy. Like you start scrolling down this list and I, I, there's not a lot that, that jumps out, jumps out to me. Um, so is there anybody, you know, that you've just kind of been, whether at the top of this list or further down the ADP list, cause I'm not super worried about ADP either. So where we are, which round we in with? So like seventeen, seventeenth. Yes, it's kind of round where like I try to be scrolling down a fair bit. So uh-huh. if if it lines up, Curtis Samuel's someone I think might be being slightly undervalued. He'd give us a little correlation for I love that in Joku thing. Like Curtis Samuel was my boy a couple of years ago when the first year of the DraftKings at Best Ball, I, I had like fifty percent Curtis Samuel. And then, <laughs> That was a year where he was being used out of a backfield in Carolina, and I really think that you know Washington's offense on the whole is being slept on a little bit. I know Carson Wentz there, but they've got an okay O line, and I think that there's a lot of interesting pieces and there's games where they can stay in touch. And if Curtis Samuel's healthy, then he could be a, his skill set is different to everyone else's on the team. I, I like that, and <clears throat> just kind of a uh, I know, again, like you said, Wentz is an issue, but kind of a like rising tide lifts all boats. Like Terry McLaurin is a good football player. Jahan Dotson is also the guy that can't, we can't make it a day without somebody at camp saying like, no, this dude might just be the best player on this team, which is kind of unexpected, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, uh, Antonio Gibson is a guy we all like, and they still like, but they also then added Brian Robinson. JD McKissick is still there. Logan Thomas. They have some tight ends that are interesting. Like you said, a good offensive line. It's like, I know Wentz is not good, but Wentz, Wentz is not, I'm trying to think of like, Wentz is not Brandon Allen. Like he did the, 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 the Colts kind of won somewhat in spite of him, but also he, he, he was still able to get the ball to some guys like, you know, he's a below average NFL quarterback, but he's not like a, 
it's not like he shouldn't be in the NFL. He's not that bad. And so if the talent is really there, like you said, an explosive weapon like Curtis Samuel going in the 17th and 18th round, um, I, I, I don't have a ton, but he's, he's probably one of the guys where I'm like, Damn it. I wish, you know, I was doing the, I was taking McKenzie. You mentioned the Jags and Texans. I have like a shitload of Zay Jones because of kind of the premise thing that you talked about. But uh, Samuel's probably one guy that has sort of fallen through the cracks for me, but just from a talent perspective, I wish he hadn't. Yeah. And there were, you know, there were sort of injury issues to start camp and no TAs and stuff. And I think if that hadn't have been there after he basically missed the entirety of last season, then maybe he would have got steamed up a little bit or people would have been on him a little more. But he's definitely someone now at this point in the season I'm trying to just just bump up the percentages a few points over my last draft. Yep. Definitely. And that, and, and that's something I, you know, this is my 150th. Um, so I'm done in this, in this tournament, but something I'm trying to do in general over these last couple of weeks, like you said, that spot those guys where it's like, I mean, I like that. I'm, I'm like, I like that guy. There's no reason. It's not like uh, someone who I was actively trying not to draft, right? Like I don't draft yeah. Devonte Devante Parker and AJ green and stuff. Those are just not my guys. So I don't give a shit if I boost their percentage, you know, up a little bit, but the guys who I'm like, damn it, I have, four percent of that guy and it was not planned like i did not intend to have four percent of somebody then those are the guys i'm kind of trying to uh mix through and the other thing as we get to 18th 19th 20th round um is kind of mixing through guys that i i hadn't been taking a lot of one i wanted to to kind of did he just go Yes, I was going to say Zach Moss. So now I don't now now, now <laughs> yeah. I just wasted all that time. Um, I do like Dearnest for a fifth a fifth uh, running back for us. Yeah, yeah, what do it you gives think? us a little correlation for More. the Cleveland and uh, Washington one we're building out. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot of Dearnest Johnson, and he kind Let's of jumped a little bit, but then fell off again. And uh, I still think you know this path that Kareem Hunt gets traded if the Browns are really out of it by the time the trade deadline comes around and then Dennis Johnson becomes big down the stretch. Yep. And, and, or like they keep hunt, they decide they want to keep hunt and go for it and trade Dearness. Cause every time Jerome Ford takes the field, he looks like a freaking superstar. And what, what are they going to do? Make him inactive on game days. I, I, I just can't envision a scenario in which something doesn't happen in that backfield. I could yeah. be totally wrong. And like you said, it may not happen before the season starts but it's really hard for me to envision given the fact that they appear to have four really high level running backs and what they're dealing with with watson Brissett, and stuff like they could be losing a lot of games early and just be like why would we hold on to both of these running backs when they're going to be gone they're going to be they're both probably going to be gone next year no, completely. And Dennis johnson's contract so affordable as restricted free age and it's very easy to move that for peanuts really yep so um, I would mention David Bell, but I don't think we need to draft any more Browns. Um, anybody else that have been kind of your your super deep punts? We have two picks left and can kind of do whatever we want. I, I mean, Isaiah Likely was someone that I'd picked up a lot of when I went Lamar Bateman. So I've got a lot of him. I've got a lot of James Prochet, Chris Evans, uh, Randall Cobb, someone who's probably been slightly undervalued. But I mean, it's, yeah. Um, Cobb yeah, is so- somewhat interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, go a little further. There's players like Terrace Marshall and Rashad Higgins, who I feel like. Okay. Let me put, let me load up the queue now. We, we went, we went with, with Chris Evans just as a tiebreaker for. Uh, um, but then there was a report today that Terrace Marshall might be running out of time. So perhaps not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put, we'll put him in there and then load up some more wide receivers. Um, I think, you know, we've got. Uh, sorry, go. 
uh, I was just going to say RIP to Taekwon. I was taking, I was taking a little bit, a little bit of Taekwon and that one's frustrating. Yeah. Um, I think Daniel Bellinger, the tight end for the Giants is someone who's interesting because we've kind of got a little bit of uh, Giants correlation in there with Indy as well. So he's somebody that you could picture a rookie coming on right by the end of the season. He's not somebody we're going to rely on massively, but I can't imagine him being heavily owned in the finals. Um, did, did, uh, did likely go yeah of course he did i was just gonna say i'm wondering what uh yeah so pick one pick 199 i remember yeah, the days, good, i remember all the days of uh of you know just waiting until the 20th round to take isaiah isaiah likely and just like not even ever thinking about anyone else taking him and now you have to decide like how early do i take him when i when i want to take him <laughs> I think I'm at like 12% unlikely in this contest. So it's, uh, I'll probably just not take too much more for the rest of it. Yeah. Um, he's just one that Bellinger is a great point. Like those guys, I, I wanted to mix through all of those guys Bellinger, um, Trey McBride, Isaiah Dolce. Likely, the Dolchish, all of those guys. I, uh, oh, of course, the Likely Thief is in. <laughs> Is in is in is in the chat. Uh, shout out to you though, Phil. Uh, you're you're talking to two likely fans, that's for sure. And obviously, Tom is a likely fan as a as a Raven. And what an exciting time to be! I mean, good lord, you know Mark Andrews is good. If you got another dude that can play like that at tight end, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, being a Ravens fan, it's kind of lucky. You know, the team's never going to be truly awful in a lot of ways. It's a well-run team. People panic, but the Ravens just do things in different ways. So yeah, I don't sweat it. So uh, blessed. <laughs> Yes, quite, quite, quite blessed. All right. Um, I put a couple of guys in the queue at wide receiver. It's really, really gross. We also don't have to take a wide receiver. We have nine really good ones. If we wanted to hit tight end or quarterback, there's probably not a quarterback left. Um, not particularly. Um, I'm open. Yeah. I'm open. If you wanted to do Bellinger um, I think... or I put Khalil Shakir in there, which would be kind of a... a, a... Yeah, go Khalil Shakir. That's probably more upside than, uh, than Bellinger, isn't it? Yeah. And and it's just kind of like a theoretically, it's probably not. And now every time I say the word likely, it like <laughs> I can't I can't like say it seriously or without like tripping myself up. But it's probably not likely that Jamison Crowder and Khalil Shakir kind of come through together, right? But I think there's something like in a twenty round PPR draft, if you take those two guys and hit on one, it's like you don't need. This isn't DFS. I don't need all every one of my roster spots to absolutely hit especially when one of them one of them's a 20th round pick it's like if you spend two of your last picks on two and they're bills wide receivers who's to say they don't have weeks throughout the course of the year and it's just if you get to week 17 and one of those guys is starting like that's a huge win like that that was a huge win from two picks in your last four picks or whatever but it's also that kind of like idea of going all right well if one of these guys goes off in week 16 and gets me to the final, but then, you know, Jameson Crowder comes back after being out the previous game, and then he goes off. How many Crowder teams made it to the final? How many Crowder teams went out the week before? Do I have a unique lineup because of that? So, yeah, I think it's an interesting pairing. And I think Shakir is Crowder is probably just like a McKenzie replacement. I think Crowder is pretty much proven to just be a slot receiver, which is totally fine at this point. And I think McKenzie is pretty much just a slot receiver. But I think Shakir is the guy that they're keeping like – 
you know, I, I don't totally hate like the Isaiah Hodgins and stuff of the world, but I think if something happens to Gabe or Diggs, I think Shakir is the next man up out there. Even though he's a little bit typecast as a slot receiver, I think he would get a shot out there on the outside. So um, let's run. Let's run down the team. Let's run down the team. We, we got blessed with the uh, Tom is blessed as a Ravens fan, and we got blessed with the 105, like maybe the best spot to pick. And we got blessed with Justin Jefferson being available at the 105. Then I'm kind of surprised that it happened. Aaron Jones is there and sets up the instant little fun correlation. And I do like Aaron Jones a good clip more on DraftKings probably than than some other sites and went with a little two six ten two build super duper strong at wide receiver in my position and then we have a you know Kyle Pitts anchor at at tight end stack Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson and came back and got a little fun backdoor Colts Colts stack with uh, Matt Ryan Naheem Hines and and Alec Pierce uh, pretty fun team these are like also all my kinds of wide receivers Justin Jefferson Juju Hollywood Bateman, Devonta Smith, KJ Osborne as a part of the stack, Alec Pierce, right? And then we hit some Bills, Curtis Samuel. Pretty fun team. What do you what are you thinking, Tom? I think, yeah, it's like you say, there's a lot of fun wide receivers in there as well, which is just always nice when you draft a team <laughs> and it's like, you know, there's actual fun players in there. There's players who are gonna see either high volume, people like Jefferson, Juju, even Bateman, you can throw into that category, or you've got the players like Marquise Brown, who can absolutely blow a game open. KJ Osborne had a really impressive amount of touchdowns and like over 600 yards or so last year in kind of his breakout season. David Njoku, we talked about, yeah, he could accumulate volume that might make up for if Cal Pitts has a down game and is marked out of the games and stuff. And then the interesting kind of shots towards the end of it on – Curtis Samuel, who, if he bounces back and has usage like he was two years ago when he was in Carolina, I mean, Washington have paid him a lot of money, so if <laughs> yeah. you make use of him, then it could be really good for us. And then Chris Evans gives us that nice little Week 17 correlation with the interest in Bills, or like auxiliary pieces that we've got. I, and I like the little interesting, uh, like you said, ancillary pieces on those two teams, especially because all the all the main core pieces, you know, it's obviously outside of like the Tyler Boyd and 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 such. But having James Cook and kind of some late late stabs, it's like if you're on the Bills and you're on the Bengals at that at getting on the field at that point in the season, like you have monster upside. And so that's how I like. And we talked about week 17 and all of that. That's how I like kind of attacking some of those games. Like you don't have to have Jamar Chase or Stefan Diggs or Gabriel Davis or, or Josh Allen to, to still get your pieces of really good offenses and really good week 17 games. Uh, and then we have some plenty of other correlations and stacks, right? We have the Minnesota and Green Bay game stacked up. We have, in, we have a, a fun little Jonathan, you know, nobody's wishing anything bad on Jonathan Taylor, but if something bad happens to Jonathan Taylor, that's a, it's a, a really, a, a really fun team. And honestly, this is a little different team than I usually build. Um, so that was, I'm really happy to have you on again for my, my last team. A little bit of a, a unique, unique team for me. No, I think two six ten two is something that I'm not sure how many times I've done that build, but I'll uh, definitely take a look afterwards. But yeah, absolute pleasure to kind of be here to round out 150. I mean, you must feel kind of relieved in some ways, but it's like that's that one done. Time to just ease back. It is. It is. It is a big relief. I mean, on it's 
it's like I know I still have a lot more drafts to do, but I will say there's something about like having that one tournament done. It, it's like it hasn't changed the amount of drafts I have left to do, but like knowing that that one's gone, it's not going to show up in my app anymore, you know, because I maxed it and like don't ever have to think about that one. There's something about mentally freeing about that for sure. Definitely. So what do you, Tom, you got to tell the people, what do you, I know you're, you're doing DFS work. You obviously have tons of different best ball stuff. Um, where can the people check out the stuff you're doing and uh, both for the rest of best ball season. And then I know in season as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter at NFL underscore T Strack. And you can find my work on fantasy pros where I've been doing a ton of best ball content for them this year, writing their best ball draft guide. And you can find a lot of other redraft content as well as some just general NFL-based stuff around the preseason. Uh, I will be doing in-season best uh, DFS content, but I'm just waiting on little little details to get signed before I can kind of talk about where. But you can also find my website, which is nflbestball.co.uk, where I link to all my articles and other stuff wherever I'm appearing. And there's a bit of strategy stuff on there, along with some leagues that I run for people people like me in the UK who aren't blessed with as many options as uh, everyone in the US. And hopefully we can uh, solve that at, 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 at some point, or you're just going to have to fly out here, I guess, every year. You started a new tradition uh, this well, summer. Yeah, if good people of underdogs seem to be uh, amenable to that. So I'm quite happy for little little trips to New York every year, cramming as many drafts as I can do. Yeah, but it's 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 nice, honestly, as a as a person who's very, you know, clearly excited about the best ball space, but also a big proponent of just general growth and everything to have you out there, like really being kind of holding the flag and leading the charge um, in the UK. I know we have some people in Canada and stuff, too, where, you know, their options and different things are limited, but hopefully we can tackle some of that over the years and keep and keep growing the game. At least you do have at least you do have DraftKings. There's quite a few different contest offerings uh, for you to well, take yeah. in. I mean, and I was saying yesterday on Twitter, between you add Best Ball Mania and the DraftKings Millie together, and there's been like over 900,000 entries already this summer. It's mad. It's, it's at- taken over. It is it is absolutely crazy. And maybe I know DraftKings has a ton of um in season tournaments as well. Might have to have you back. Uh we can we can do some in season stuff because I you know I do DFS work and everything in season as well. And so I feel like it's a it's a perfect breeding ground for the both of us since we're so heavy into the, the regular best ball streets and then uh and then the DFS streets and everything. So might have to have Tom back. Um for myself, uh we will be back every single day this week. We only got a couple of weeks left to get all of our teams in. So we'll be doing plenty of drafting um, here at spike week. Make sure to go to spikeweek.com If you want to get the draft overlays that you saw on um, the stream today, if you want to get access to, to draft IQ, so you can dive into some of your portfolio stuff and all sorts of other goodies, spikeweekcom slash go premium. And um, for myself and for Tom and for the first time ever, Tom, you, I, mean, I need to bring you on just because my dogs didn't bark. During. yes i didn't even know it's yeah they're they're past the hell out um so apparently you have a calming relaxing uh a presence about you to keep my dogs from rallying up during the stream but uh thank you for joining me we'll be back uh tomorrow tomorrow we'll be back here on this channel see you guys later